the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized in 2012 as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Horses Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, accompanied by my wife, Beth. Hello, everybody. For those of you who don't know about the show, the show's in two parts. The first part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law. The idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, avoiding probate, and as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. The second part of the show, we talk about either politics, history, religion, nostalgia. Today, we're going to be talking about politics mostly. We have Ann Coulter, who's got her new book out, Resistance is Futile. And then a congressman from the past, Bob Livingston. And Bob Livingston used to represent the first district of Louisiana, which is basically New Orleans and some of its suburbs. You remember uh, Bob Livingston, Beth? I do. All right. So he grew up in Louisiana. Actually, he was born in Colorado. He grew up in Louisiana and became a congressman there. He ran for governor unsuccessfully one time, then spent 22 years in Congress. And he was part of the impeachment team against Bill Clinton, which now, in retrospect, he says was a mistake. And we're going to be talking to Bob about his political career. One of the things he mentioned when we were off the air, he was a great admirer of John McKithen. <laughs> My cousin. <laughs> Yeah, well, he he stole some of his campaign lines or whatever. But he was very, <laughs> That's okay. but he was very shocked to learn that the McKithens were unionists back in the Civil War. Well, not that many people knew it. <laughs> yeah, says it wouldn't have ran well back when he was running for office. No, well, there there were a lot more unionists than you think in Louisiana. Right. And you know that's in Grant's the memoirs. There were a hundred thousand white Southerners who fought for the Union during the Civil War. That's right. It wasn't an insignificant number, especially if they had switched sides. Well, speaking of Louisiana governors, you know, Huey Long, um, he had ancestors that were unionists. Yeah, which I don't think he played that up in his time. (laughs) No. But, interestingly, what he did want, it was very, very important to him all along, was that poor blacks be treated with the respect that poor whites were. All right. Well, getting back to estate planning and elder laws, as I said, the show's in different parts, not equal parts. But let's talk a little bit about some estate planning. First, we're going to take a question from George Ann. So what's the question, Beth? All right. Dear Mr. Connors, when writing a will, does it matter who signs it? How many witnesses do you need, and does it have to be notarized? Can the witnesses 
be one of the executors, alternate, successor, or beneficiaries. Is it better to have others besides those re referred to in the will? I hear you Saturday mornings show sometimes. You always have many interesting guests and interviews. Uh-oh. Yeah. I like Beth's southern accent, too. <laughs> she sounds very vivacious. Well, oh, well. Everybody has their opinions, I guess. Uh <laughs> So here's a question. A will is not as simple as it may seem, and this question actually brings some of the problems. In New York, you need two witnesses to witness a will. That's an absolute, two witnesses. The witnesses should not be beneficiaries of the will. So in other words, if you have three children, you shouldn't have one of your children witness the will. You shouldn't have really any relative witnessing the will, whether they're named in the will or not. But by law, the witnesses should not be named in the will as beneficiaries. Now, an executor can be one of your witnesses, assuming your executor is not one of your beneficiaries. Now, what's an executor? The executor is the person you choose to wrap up your legal financial business matters after you're gone. I would say in 90% of our wills, the executor is one of the beneficiaries of the will. For instance, if we have a will, I leave everything to my three children in three equal shares. I appoint my oldest child to be the executor of the will. Obviously, the, that child cannot witness the will. Now, if you say, I leave everything to my three children and I name my brother-in-law to be executor of the will, yeah, then your brother-in-law could be, you know, a witness to the will. But a witness to the will also, you know, a will is not just a form. If you fill it out, all right, you're, you're home clear and there's no problem. A will is a writing witnessed by two people who are willing to testify in court that they witnessed the will in accordance with the laws of the state of New York. So it's not just a form, we fill it out right. And I think this I think this question comes up to it. Now, does the will have to be notarized? To be legal, a will does not have to be notarized. In fact, a will in itself is not notarized. It has to be witnessed. Now, the two witnesses to the will, and a lot of times in our office we use three witnesses, the two witnesses to the will should have their signatures notarized to an affidavit saying that they witnessed the will on that day, that you were of sound mind, and so forth. Why? Because if when you pass away, the court wants to know that the will was a valid document. So if they have a notarized statement from the witnesses saying that they witnessed the will on that day, they thought you were of sound mind, could read and write and speak English, so forth and so on. Well, they may not have to call them into court. But if somebody can test the will, somebody has a question about the will, the witnesses still may have to come back and testify. And that's what you should be very careful about who witnesses your will. The last thing you want is to have a will going through court. There's a problem with the will for whatever reason. One of the relatives can test. The witnesses come into court and say, well, I really don't know what I signed. That's not good. You want somebody, you leave it to a professional. Let somebody who's been there before. And again, if you want to come to us, you're more than welcome. You'll hear our phone number in the commercials or whatever. Now, each week, Kevin McCullough answers one question, and we answer one question for Kevin McCullough's witnesses. So we're going to turn the ball over to Kevin McCullough. Kevin McCullough here. Every single week, we like to help answer the big questions that you have as it relates to estate care and elder law, and uh, none other than the brilliant Mike Connors joins us to do this. He is, of course, the named partner in the uh, Connors and Sullivan law firm that is uh, world-renowned, ubiquitous, if you will. It is in all five boroughs of the uh, New York metro area, and they've got uh, tons of access for you online as well. So, uh, Mike Connors, uh, every week we ask you a question, and this week it's a very tough one. Deanna writes, Mr. Connors, I was told that I could not leave my husband out of my will. Is this true? Question mark. Now, I don't want to speculate on why Deanna would like to rub her husband out of her will, but uh, given the fact that she's asking the question, maybe other people have the same question. What say you? Well, a lot of people have the same question, and this is one of the great misconceptions that a lot of people have. Yes, you can leave your spouse out of your will. You do not have to name your spouse 
you know, in your will. Now, if you're a New York resident, your spouse has a right to file a claim against your state, a right of election, and that's a third, roughly, of your total estate. But, you know, the, it's a claim. It's not an automatic right. And, you know, were you separated? Are you living together? Who abandoned whom? Are you leaving other assets to your spouse? And so that's a court proceeding. But you absolutely have the right in New York not to name your spouse. And you will. And, of course, maybe you signed a prenuptial agreement. Maybe you signed what we call a waiver of right of election. And maybe the spouse is not going to uh, elect against the will. And that happens every once in a while. Let's say you have two 90-year-old people and they want to start leaving assets to their kids or grandkids, they may mutually agree, hey, don't leave it to me. Leave it. We're not going to leave it to each other. Let's leave it to the grandkids. Gotcha. Well, friends, if you've got a question about how you can rub your spouse out of your will, and I'm just kidding, there may be legitimate reasons why you're saying that, uh, then call Connors and Sullivan and find out for yourself. 718-238-6500 is the number, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. You can also ask Mike a question for yourself. It's askmikeconnors at gmail.com. That's askmikeconnors, all one word, at gmail.com or 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, thanks so much. Thank you, Kevin. Kevin McCullough's on Monday through Friday on 970 The Answer. He's also on WMCA, The Mission, Monday through Friday at 3 o'clock p.m., 5 o'clock, The Answer, 3 o'clock, The Mission. One of the things, you know, I and we had a two-minute segment there, so I couldn't really get in with Kevin about can you leave uh, your spouse out of your will? Do you have to name your spouse out of your will? That is one of the things that comes up, and there's a lot of misconceptions about that. And here's one thing that I hear all the time. Let's say somebody comes in. I'm in the middle of a divorce, and my divorce attorney says, I shouldn't change my will until after I get divorced because my husband, or usually it's a husband, has a right to put a claim in against my estate anyway, so it doesn't really do any good. Listen, if you're about to get divorced, change your will, unless you want to leave a substantial portion of your estate to your husband or your wife. Here's why. You're in a car accident in the middle of a divorce. There's a huge settlement, lawsuit or whatever. You have no will. A substantial amount of that settlement will go to your spouse, if not everything. And is that what you want? At least, at the very least, if you do a will where you don't name your spouse, the most your spouse is going to get is a third of the estate. And even then, we can get into questions behind the divorce. Who abandoned whom? What happened? Was there a reason for the split up that's maybe the spouse that survives fault? Definitely do a will. You're on the edge of a divorce, about to get a divorce, do a will as soon as possible. You need to do a will at any point and any time, so you might as well get it started. You don't want a laughing heirs. And believe it, you know, like I see a 1,000 people a year over 30 years, and believe me, more than a few times I've seen a case where there's a laughing heir, a couple at the edge of a divorce, and then all of a sudden one of the couple dies, and the surviving spouse is a laughing heir. So prepare, plan. Everybody should have a will. And, of course, what you do with your will, who you leave it to, Who's your executor? That's something we can always talk about. There's no one right answer ahead of time. But everybody, literally everybody should have a will. Yeah, I know there's some exceptions where, you know, it's not that important to have a will. I wouldn't go crazy if you don't have one. But for the most part, everybody should have a will. And especially everybody who's married should have a will. Everybody who has children should have a will. Everybody who's in the process of getting divorced should have a will because the stakes are just too high in those circumstances. All right, we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to be listening to Ann Coulter. You're listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, accompanied by my wife, Beth. 
For our Ask the Lawyer friends and listeners, you can attend any of Connors & Sullivan's free seminars on elder law, Medicaid, wills, and estate planning, and more. Yes, it's all free and all close to you. So come to Connors & Sullivan's free seminars. On Tuesday, September 25th at Lenny's Clam Bar, 161-03 Cross Bay Boulevard, Howard Beach, Queens at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m., then in Maspeth, Queens on Wednesday, September 26th at Connolly's Corner, 71-17 Grand Avenue, at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 7 p.m. And finally at The Adria, 221-17 Northern Boulevard, Bayside, Queens, on Friday, September 28th at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Can't go to any Connors & Sullivan's free seminars? Then call Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500 for your own free office appointment. Make an educated decision on your estate and family legal solutions today. Just call Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500. That's Connors & Sullivan, 718-238-6500, or go to connorsandsullivan.com. Find out what you're entitled to. Come to a Connors & Sullivan free seminar. For more information, call 718-238-6500 or go to connorsandsullivan.com. Connors & Sullivan. Plan now for later. I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. I just had everything under control, and church was actually a, a burden to me. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. No, I didn't take my faith seriously, which, which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. You can have a beautiful car, a big fancy home, but if you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there. We are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust, especially as a man. But there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. Thank God I'm home. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. You're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. Our next guest is a true champion of free speech. The overused term, she needs no introduction, but she doesn't. Ann Coulter, who's got a new book out, Resistance is Futile. Welcome to Connor's Corner. Thank you. It's good to be here. Okay, so what is your book about? Not that the title doesn't say everything. Um, yes, yes. It's actually excellent advice for the resistance. Um, <laughs> I suggest that they they stop stop raising these crazy um, conspiracy theories and jumping on every little thing and then getting humiliated and driving Trump supporters like, like me and like lots of people who, who might be disappointed with some things he's done or technically has not done, like build the wall, um, they just keep driving us right back into his corner. Um, there are probably some things we could all agree on, but no, the resistance can't do it. They have absolutely lost their mind. It's it minds. It's mostly a book about the media. It's slander, um, my second book, for the Trump era. And wow, whoever knew it could get this crazy. Um, I have a long memory, uh, and I have a Nexus account, so I can go back and, and show how what utter lying hypocrites they are. Um, Starting with, I mean, the biggest, the biggest elephant in the room. Um, I've written about the McCarthy era and, and <clears throat> excuse me, um, Nixon, Alger Hiss. 
wow, to have these people coming forward and suddenly wanting to, to restart the Cold War. Back when Russia actually was an evil empire with gulags and, and show trials and Stalin and mass starvations. Oh, no, 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 no. The, the New York Times, the entire media, um, the entire Democratic Party was covering up for them. And, oh, we have to have a mature relationship with the rest of the world. The Russians love their people, too. Carter warned about an inordinate fear of communism. Now Russia is just an ordinarily corrupt country. It's certainly less corrupt than Saudi Arabia, um, maybe a little more corrupt than, than various um, southern European countries. I wouldn't want to live there. Um, but, but yet and still, they're nuclear armed. Maybe we should get along with them. That was Trump, what Trump promised during the campaign. Um, and not only is this just a hilarious watching liberals suddenly suddenly wanting to get tough with Russia. I wonder if we can get them to admit that Alger Hiss was a Soviet spy now. Um, oh, well, you're talking ancient history. Uh, this, you know, that, that, that stuff doesn't damaging. count anymore. It's damaging our, our foreign policy. I mean, people voted for Trump, and Trump said over and over again, why don't we get along with, with a nuclear-armed country? Wouldn't that be good? Yeah, of course it would be good. Um, it's, it's just baffling to see the left suddenly deciding to turn Russia into the most psychotically evil country ever, but it's all in pursuance of a Hillary Clinton conspiracy theory because she was caught in a jam. Um, the DNC's emails were going up on WikiLeaks. We still have no proof that it was Russia that hacked them, and who cares if it was? Um, <laughs> they're, they're hacking all the time. We're hacking them. Um, but there is no proof that it, that it was Russia. She invented the Russia hacked the DNC's emails in order to help Trump to distract from the fact that, number one, the DNC doesn't protect its emails very well, and number two, that the DNC was conspiring with the Clinton campaign to screw over Bernie Sanders. Looked very bad for the Democrats, so she needs to make up some apocryphal enemy conspiring against her. Just going back a little bit in history, if I remember correctly, I think you were one of the first people, if not the first person, to predict a Trump presidency for which you were ridiculed. Yes, three days after his magnificent Mexican rapist speech on, on Bill Maher. Can you tell that to the audience? Because I don't think too many of our audiences watch this Bill Maher. Um, I think they've probably seen that clip. It's pretty okay. widely distributed on the Internet. Um, got the fake laughter from the from the Bill Maher audience. But no, I mean, going two books back with Adios America, I've been waiting for some some candidate to come along and respond to what the people wanted, which was um, an end, 100 percent end, to illegal immigration. And that isn't, that isn't pie in the sky. That isn't an unachievable thing as if, you know, a wall. Oh, it's like cold fusion. Who can build a wall? Um, no, walls have been around for thousands of years. Israel has a very effective wall um, and, and a pretty major restriction on legal immigration, which has been since 1970 bringing in more than a million people a year, 90 percent from the third world, voting eight to two for the Democrats. So our legal immigration policies, great for the Democrats, totally flipped California, the state that once gave us Ronald Reagan and Richard Nixon. That state will never elect a Republican statewide again. It's just lost, 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 the most beautiful state in the nation. Um, um, and it's great for, for the elite, the rich. They get their cheap labor. 
um, farmers can pretend they still live in colonial America and enjoy watching humans pick their produce rather than, you know, mechanizing what the rest of us have done um, and getting machines or machines that can pick strawberries, um, which is one of the hardest, hardest crops to pick. Um, the strawberry has to be exactly ripe. No, these machines exist. Um, pretend we're not living in, in 1790 farmers, but they'll take the cheap labor and offload the costs to to the American people, not only in 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 terms of crime and offloading their externalities to the Kate Steinle family and so many others, um, but in terms of welfare consumption. No, all of us are subsidizing cheap labor for the rich. Um, Trump came along and spoke to where the people have been for years. Every time Americans have gotten a chance to vote on immigration, they have voted for less. And politicians know it. They know it perfectly clearly. We know they know it because whenever they're running for office, they claim they're going to get tough. Even John McCain ran that ad, build the dang fence. And then they get into office and they betray us. Um, at least Trump was saying the right things. I'd still write in Trump we trust, but kind of looks like he's betraying us too on immigration. Let's talk about the current book. Resistance book, is futile. Okay. How the Trump-hating left lost its collective mind. What would you like to know about the resistance? It's all in there. You don't need to know the details. Our, our side, I think, gets too bogged down in the day-to-day details, and most people with normal jobs realize the whole thing is nuts. They don't need to pay attention to find out who Bruce Orr is, and they don't. They don't need to, to know that. Um, um, it's just a, a miasma of lies from, from the media, um, including on the Access Hollywood tape. Um, they've just so lost their minds with Trump that they can't just just say, I mean, it was outrageous that that tape was released and every bit is illegal. In fact, in fact, more illegal, I'd say, um, than, than whomever hacked the DNC and released those emails. Okay, the Democrats didn't want their emails being exposed to the public. Um, Trump didn't want a private conversation that he didn't know was being taped released to the public either. He could absolutely sue. It's, it's, he gets treble damages for that. To release that tape was absolutely illegal. Everything the Russians are accused of doing to Trump is what the media does to Republicans all the time. But having having the tape released, the Democrats couldn't just leave it at. I, I mean, it was it was quite a shock that day it got released. Um, by by later in the evening, um, after watching MSNBC, I realized, wow, this is backfiring on on the media because they're so overplaying their hand. They were just hysterical. The exact same people promoting filth in, in Hollywood, in kindergarten classes, in performance arts, suddenly become fainting Victorian versions because Trump used a bad word. And they couldn't even leave it at, um, it's sophomoric, it's juvenile. If they had done that, it might have been more damaging to, to Trump. But they, first of all, had a titanic overreaction. And secondly, as the left is prone to do, and they do for every single little thing Trump does, they immediately have to go to, it's a crime, it's a crime, he's admitting to a sexual assault on tape. Well, no, he wasn't. He very clearly said 
they let you do it. They let you do it. When you're a celebrity, they let you do it. I could win that case in court. Your Honor, he said, they let you do it. By definition, there was consent in what he's describing, even hypothetically. Um, that is not an assault um, under the law um, if they let you do it. And in fact, he was using the exact same formulation he used when he said um, his supporters loved him so much he could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and, they'd, and they wouldn't go anyplace. Um, what he's doing, and, and he said that long before the Access Hollywood tape come in, came out, so it wasn't like he was trying to, try, trying to, not that he'd ever think of it, but trying to show, oh, this is the this is the formulation I'm using here. No, the formulation is to describe a an excessive enthusiasm, um, good in one case, Trump supporters. It's great that they were so enthusiastic about him. Um, sort of psychotic in the other case, the groupies around celebrities. In fact, he was saying what he said on the Access Hollywood tape to describe celebrity groupies with a fair degree of disapproval, I'd say. He's citing in both cases something that is axiomatically unacceptable, shooting someone on Fifth Avenue, grabbing women by the P word. And what he's saying in both formulations is the enthusiasm is so intense, it doesn't matter if you do this um, by definition horrible thing. It's it's making a point about it, not not in fact saying he can do it. One can do it. Um, they let you do it when you are a celebrity. What was interesting when I went back and checked, because um, it was odd that everyone, I mean, Anderson Cooper asked Trump in a debate about, um, you've admitted to sexual assault. The New York Times editorialized that, that Trump had admitted to committing sexual assault. Hillary Clinton, of course, said that Trump admitted to sexual committing sexual assault. Um, and I was thinking, how did they, they kept playing that tape over and over and over again. How did they get around the, the, the clearly not an assault line where he says they let you do it. Um, so I looked it up on Nexus, and it turned out all the networks just cut that line. They cut it from the tape. <laughs> what do you think is the future of the resistance? What's going to happen to it? Well, if they were smart, they'd read my book and, and <laughs> take not. my advice to, <laughs> to get Trump on the worst thing he's actually done. Um, I mean, some of their complaints – um, normal people might actually agree with them on, but they can't. They can't do it. If if the um, you know if the DNC went to MSNBC and and CNN, ABC, so on, uh, late night comedians, and said, "You got to drop this Russia stuff. It's killing us. It's making us look insane. Stop disrupting hearings. Stop beating up Trump supporters." They couldn't do it. Their base is white hot. They couldn't name any of Trump's positions, but they, they just know half the, half the country's entire political philosophy right now is, where does Trump stand on this? Oh, that's awful. Um, including things that they have believed for, for 20, 30 years, including things that they believed yesterday. They will change their position from moment to moment, day to day, year to year, um, for whatever is worse for Trump. The name of the book, Resistance is Futile, How the Trump-Hating Left Lost Its Collective Mind. The author, Ann Coulter, thank you for being on Connor's Corner. Thank you. Good to talk to you, Mike. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. Bye. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. 
This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or connorsandsullivan.com. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. With me right now is a man you may not remember now, but I think about 20-some-odd years ago, everybody knew who he was, Congressman Bob Livingston. Welcome to Connors Corner. Well, thanks very much, Mike. Good to be with you. Okay, so you have a book coming out pretty soon, The Windmill Chaser, Triumphs and Loss. Triumphs and less, I'm sorry, in American politics. What's the book yeah, about? Yeah, it's about the good and the bad of things that uh, have happened throughout uh, my life. Uh, beginning going back a few generations when uh, some of my forebears were New Yorkers. Uh, but it's, uh, I think it's an entertaining book. So far, the reviews have been uh, positive. Uh, try to tell a few funny stories, but uh, also talk about how uh, I arrived at uh, the opportunity to run for politics when I had no chance whatsoever. Got elected, uh, my service in Congress for 22 years, and and then uh, uh, after that. It's commentary about uh, uh, running for office, being in office, and uh, uh, how uh, the uh, uh, Congress could work a little bit better uh, today than it does. Uh, It's uh, since I was about to be Speaker of the House, uh, there's comments about uh, how uh, first of all, I might have run the place uh, had I been uh, speaker, but also uh, it details the sequence of events uh, in the late, uh, well, late 1998, almost 20 years ago, uh, when we got involved in the impeachment of the president of the United States for the first time and since uh, Andrew Johnson back up to the Civil War. 
and uh, details almost on a day-to-day basis of how uh, that impeachment process fell down or came down. How would you compare the Congress, let's say, during the impeachment progress today? I think there was more civility, if nothing else. Well, yeah, with re- without regard to the in- uh, impeachment, uh, it was a totally different era. We didn't have social media. We didn't have uh, uh, hour-to-hour, minute-to-minute uh, coverage on uh, cable TV or, or uh, uh, all of the opportunities for the Internet, uh, uh, email. In fact, I didn't do email until I got out. Uh, so there was uh, – technologically, it was different. And also the demands on members of Congress uh, to uh, raise money are far more uh, onerous today than they were back then. We had to raise money, and I talk a little bit about that back then. But uh, uh, the fact that they're spending all of their waking hours raising money to cover very expensive campaigns makes it difficult uh, for them. But most especially, Mike, I think the difference is that before – uh, well, the mid-1990s, most members, not all, but most members had their families in Washington. And that meant that uh, they would be here, except when they went home to politic, uh, and that their kids grew up to know one another, whether they were Republican or Democrat. Or had their wives got together, their spouses got together. Uh, regardless of party, uh, they had social engagements, and and people knew each other better than they do today. Uh, and they there was interchange, and and uh, there was more trust, frankly, as a result of that closer association. Now everybody's got their families at home. Uh, their fa- their spouses don't want them uh, to be in Washington any more than they really uh, absolutely have to be. And so they're not in. They 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 used we used to come to work on. Uh, Monday mornings and work through Fridays. Now they come to work on Tuesday afternoons and work through Thursday afternoons. Uh, as a result, uh, they don't know the uh, uh, business as well as uh, as they used to. Uh, and uh, and they're they're because of that, and they're raising money all the time. Uh, they're not in the subcommittees and full committees and uh, uh, all of the. Uh, activity that really goes into making good conscientious legislation. It's a problem. Well, let's go back in history again. Obviously, you're heavily, heavily involved in the impeachment. What was the reasoning, and why did you think it was the right thing at the time? Mike, I, I uh, have to say that uh, it was the farthest thing in my mind, uh, uh, from my mind, in uh, January of 1998. I was uh, enjoying my role as the chairman of the Appropriations Committee, in my opinion, the best committee in the United States Congress. Uh, we were cutting the budget. Uh, we were balancing the budget, actually. Uh, the Ways and Means Committee, the tax writing committee, was was cutting taxes. Uh, we had, uh, back then, regulatory reform, and, and, and lots. Of, we were doing lots of good things. Uh, it was about that time that uh, Bill Clinton problems uh, beyond the bimbo eruptions uh, his uh, his problems with Monica Lewinsky uh, came to the uh, light and he made his famous statement about never having relations with her uh, none of that really would have led to impeachment but he he ended up because of a deposition with Paula Jones uh, getting on the stand and uh, lying about his relationship with uh, Monica Lewinsky that was proven to be true. If you remember anything about the blue dress, uh, uh, there was quite evidence that, that he was not telling the truth. 
that was that all went to the Judiciary Committee, and uh, they, in a very partisan atmosphere, Republicans for, Democrats against, uh, decided that because Bill Clinton had lied under oath, uh, because people in the military and in the civilian corps of the United States government had done almost exactly the same thing and were in prison because of it, uh, that he, in fact, impeachment should go forward. The Judiciary Committee carried that through 1998, and I didn't have much to do with it. Uh, I was raising money for the party and really expecting that we were going to pick up seats uh, in the uh, elections of 1998. Uh, But all of a sudden, uh, because we stopped paying attention to our accomplishments, our tax reduction reforming, uh, oh, welfare reform, balancing the budget, and all those good things we had to talk about, uh, we made the political decision, and it's just spelled out in my book, uh, that uh, we would only talk about Clinton's problems. That, that turned out to be a real mistake. And we, instead of picking up 15 seats in the uh, Congress, uh, in, uh, in the House of Representatives, in uh, the elections of 1998, we lost five. When that happened, there was a lot of uh, concern about Speaker Gingrich, and uh, a lot of people didn't want uh, uh, him to be Speaker anymore uh, because it was primarily his decisions they were concerned about. Uh, I was very supportive of him because he uh, had made me chairman of the Appropriations Committee over some more senior members. Uh, But uh, as time went on, I realized either I run against him or somebody uh, who didn't run their operation uh, weren't quite as well-equipped to be speaker. Uh, we're going to try to run, and Republicans could lose the whole situation to the Democrats because we had a very thin majority. I ended up running. I was elected speaker-elect uh, uh, by all my Republicans. I would have been speaker, but in the last few days of the election, and it's all spelled out in my book, uh, we had one hell of a week. And uh, when the final uh, vote came down, we did vote on impeachment. He, Clinton was impeached by two of the four articles that were pressed against him. Uh, and at the end, I made uh, a speech that said, well, uh, let me stop there. I got caught uh, by Larry Flint uh, for some past indiscretions. Uh, everybody thought well, the whole deal was about sex. It wasn't about sex. It was about him lying under oath. But uh, in order to avoid the confusion, I decided that I would call on his resignation from office, and I said, Mr. President, uh, you can do it, and to prove that you can do it, I'm going to do it, and I resigned. Uh, That was the end of a a very long year, and uh, life has turned out fine for me since then, with one exception. Uh, About six years later, we lost a son. Uh, but most of that stuff spelled out in the book, and I think it's an interesting, interesting read. I'd like to go a little bit back in history. You know, when you talk about Newt Gingrich, for those of us who were born around 1950, a little bit later, it was a foregone conclusion that the House of Representatives belonged to the Democrats, and that changed. Yeah, you're absolutely right. In fact, uh, it was controlled by the Democrats without interruption for 40 years. Uh, in fact, uh, then Congressman uh, Bob Michael, who's now uh, deceased, rest in peace, uh, Bob was elected uh, the year after Republicans lost control back in the early 
50s, I believe, and uh, stayed in office for 39 and a half years and ended up retiring. And the next year we took control in uh, 1995. Uh, so 40 years in the wilderness. And the Democrats really felt that they ran the place. They controlled uh, the Congress. Uh, and when Republicans, through uh, the leadership of Newt Gingrich, and I got to say, he was the principal reason we took back control. Uh, he was the revolutionary. We came up with a contract of America, with America, and I uh, uh, wrote the defense blank, but basically it was Newt's and, and, and Dick Armey's uh, uh, idea. Uh, it worked. American people put us in, in charge, uh, gave us the majority for the first time in 40 years. And it was great for four years. I was, uh, as I say, chairman of the Appropriations Committee. Uh, we ended up balancing the budget and having a lot of success. But unfortunately, uh, after four years, we we got involved. I don't think anything would have changed had we not gotten into that impeachment process. That didn't work out well for us. And if the Democrats try it with with uh, uh, President Trump, it's not going to work out well for them either. I mean, I know you're on the sidelines right now, but can you figure out for what we know as of now, is there any grounds for impeachment? No. <laughs> In a yeah. word. Uh, you know, there's every day you you wake up and you listen to the television and the, and hear the news and the, you read the tweets and all the other stuff that's going on. I consider that's uh, all noise. It doesn't really matter. What are the results? The results are the lowest unemployment in almost every ethnic category in the country uh, in many, many years. Uh, we've got uh, a deregulation of, of overburdensome government. We've got uh, an economy that's just booming. Uh, we've got judges that are uh, uh, better than they have been in, in 50 years, uh, a great Supreme Court. I just think that if you look at the results, this is probably one of the most successful presidents of modern history. Uh, but if you listen to the news and get all embroiled and listen to the new uh, to, the, to the to the noise out there, then you just get feel like the country's coming apart and that he ought to be impeached. I don't think he ought to be impeached. I think that would be crazy, and I think if the Democrats try that, uh, that uh, it will work out very badly for them. Do you have any regrets about resigning from Congress? No, I look back on it. Obviously, I've had 20 years to think about it. Uh, I think I did the right thing given the circumstances. I had 22 years of unblemished uh, history in Congress. I, I was one of the most successful chairman of the Appropriations Committee uh, amount of times. In fact, I'm the only uh, chairman of Appropriations Committee to have caused and brought about a, a balancing of the discretionary budget, not the mandatory portion of the budget, but the discretionary budget. Uh, they haven't been able to do that since then. And uh, so I had a great tour. Uh, I feel very good about uh, my time in Congress. The last few days, well, in a word, they sucked. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it is what it is, uh, and we can't control circumstances. All we can do is do what we think is, is the best interest of, of oneself, one's family, and for the country, and I think I did. I, I, uh, I got flinted, as they say. Uh, he can feel real comfortable uh, in that he had an impact on changing the country. I don't think it worked out well. Uh, we ended up with a speaker who wasn't nearly as good as I would have been. Uh, but uh, that's my uh, less than ob uh, objective opinion. All right. What are you doing today? 
for the last 20 years, in fact, from the day I left, I opened up a thing called the Livingston Group. It's a lobbying outfit where our office is two blocks from the Capitol, uh, and uh, we do uh, uh, just about everything, international and, and defense and high-tech and health uh, uh, and education stuff. Uh, I've, I've, had, I've been fortunate to have a wonderful team of people, uh, including uh, my chief of staff you know, on the Hill and my chief legislative guy have been partners of mine. Uh, we've worked together for 42 years. My secretary, uh, who uh, worked with us uh, on the Hill, has been with us for 40 years. Uh, and we've got an, another a whole routine of group people, I guess 15, 20 people altogether. And we're just doing fine here in Washington D.C. We're just uh, we've we've been successful, and I, I can't go back and say I really have any regrets. Uh, I, as I often say, if if as bleak as as it was in those latter days of December, and they were they were tough on me and my family, uh, but nothing was as bad as what happened to us six years later when we lost a son in an accident. So, uh, you know. Uh, life goes on. What do you want the reader to take away from your book? What What's the point? I hope they'll have fun reading it. I hope that they'll be interested in the rise of uh, any person without the uh, without a great background getting into politics and succeeding. Uh, I ran for governor of Louisiana in 1987 and lost, so that's why you. Uh, it's called chasing windmills because I, I did a lot of things and I succeeded in many. I, I didn't. There were some times when I failed and I dropped the ball. Uh, but uh, my tenure in Congress is described uh, with, with lots of anecdotes and, and, and fun stuff. I think that they'll find the last few days of uh, the impeachment process to be very, very interesting. It won't be fun. Uh, but it is it's historic in, in nature, and then there's commentary about uh, how the different how Congress has changed in in recent years, and how it might have been different had circumstances uh, uh, been otherwise. Bob Livingston, U.S. Congressman, thank you for what you have done for the country. Thank you for what you're doing now. The name of the book, The Windmill Chaser, Bob Livingston. Thank you for being on Connor's Corner. Thank you, Mike. All right. Good. It's good to talk to you. Good luck. This was fun. Whether you need help with drafting a will or trust, power of attorney, health care proxy, living will, or protecting your assets from nursing home costs, Connors & Sullivan's goal is always the protection of your rights and interests. The professionals at Connors & Sullivan have been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 30 years. I'm Mike Connors. Come to our office for a free initial consultation. Talk with me or one of our experienced attorneys to see how we can help you protect your family your assets, and your legacy. There is no one strategy that fits everyone, but the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is no planning at all. Call Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law today to schedule a free initial consultation with an attorney at any of their convenient locations in Brooklyn, Midtown Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Or visit their website, connorsandsullivan.com. This is Father Frank Pavone of Priests for Life. Adult stem cell research is nothing new. It has been going on for decades and, in fact, has proven helpful in treating various diseases. In the process of this research, nobody has to be killed in order to obtain the stem cells. 
Embryonic stem cell research, on the other hand, only began in 1998 and does involve killing a new human life in order to obtain the cells. The number of diseases that have been successfully treated with embryonic stem cells is zero. They have shown no medical benefit. And even if they did, such activity is immoral. The end does not justify the means. Adult stem cells have treated various forms of leukemia, sickle cell disease, anemia, and carcinoma. Embryonic stem cells have succeeded in nothing. This is Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life. We all know someone who's been touched by cancer. It's the second leading cause of death. And it took the life of my father, John Wayne. But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C, as my dad called it. So we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life-saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world. Cures are within our reach, but we can't do it alone. I'm Patrick Wayne, and I'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer. You can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease. Together, we can save lives. To learn more, visit jwcigiving.org. That's jwcigiving.org. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, accompanied by my wife, Beth. Hello, everybody. You know, we just talked a little bit about politics, national politics. Now, I understand Bob Livingston's book goes a lot into local politics in Louisiana. We didn't really have a good chance to talk about it. But, Beth, I know your family has been involved in politics there for a few years. Yeah, that's, um, it's a very interesting. When I was there, um, now this is way back when, but in 71, um, I was at LSU as an undergraduate, and my cousin was governor, and he just was a sweetheart. I could go over there, and he'd he'd tell me some very interesting things about being a governor. Um, his interactions with LBJ during the, in the '60s, and um, it was just very very interesting. A lot of things, um, you know, LBJ could be not such a nice fellow and um some of the things i think he's remembered for maybe he didn't do it in the with the very best intentions i don't know but behind the scenes he he was something else but um john my cousin john was in the middle of all the civil rights issues in louisiana and you can hear about troubles in mississippi arkansas alabama but you really didn't have those awful times in Louisiana. And I think a lot of it was because of, because of his leadership. Well, changing the subject right now, next week we're going to be talking to a, a football player I admired greatly back on the 1968-1969 Super Bowl Jets, Dave Herman. And Dave Herman was starting guard for the Jets for most of the year. And then when we came to the Super Bowl, we Bank. Hall of Fame coach, decided to move Dave Herman from right guard to right tackle. Dave Herman then played opposite Bubba Smith, who at the time was a dominant defensive end for the Colts, and everybody said, you know, Bubba Smith's going to tear Dave Herman alive. Well, the results were different when the game was played. Dave Herman, as he put it, put his helmet into Bubba Smith and 
did that for the whole game. And Bubba Smith had a very quiet game against the Jets that day. Dave Herman was one of the Super Bowl heroes. Now, it's a little sad Dave's not speaking fluently anymore. And this is a guy who used to be a broadcaster and was very articulate. And he's football injuries have taken this toll on him. And, you know, I haven't met that many football players over the years, but the few linemen we have met over the years, it seems that uh, playing football as, as a lineman takes your toll on your body and your brain. We had dinner with uh, uh, an NFL lineman, and I, we just sat there and I listened to how many operations did he have, Mike? Thirteen operations. And um, he, he said almost every bone in his body had been broken. Um, they, they are on pain medication. They are, it's just, and when you take that much pain medication, it messes up other parts of your body. So um, I just listened, you were sitting there, I felt so sorry for him. You know, and this is the guy he, you know, he's trying to do um, post, post-NFL, just trying to do the best he can. But you could tell that he was crippled from it, absolutely crippled from it. And I think Dave Herman's, you know, had his moments after, but I still admire him. He did a great job on that Super Bowl day. I don't think, in some respects, he moved two feet from right guard to right tackle, but it's a lot bigger movement than that. And in the biggest game of his career, he came through. And you got to admire a man for that. Absolutely. I think we're going to be closing out in a few minutes, but one last point, Chris Gordani. How does somebody like us on Facebook? They can go to your page, Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors on Facebook. That's pretty easy, and there's a little button with a thumb up that says like. If you haven't liked it yet, click that, and then you'll have liked the page. I think uh, Mr. Kincaid is telling us to say goodbye for the week. We'll see you next week, same times. Thank you for listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Bye-bye. We are gathered here on hallowed ground, the voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this soul away. We are gathered here on hallowed ground, the voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this soul away. For our Ask the Lawyer friends and listeners, you can attend any of Connors and Sullivan's free seminars on elder law, Medicaid, wills and estate planning, and more. Yes, it's all free and all close to you. So come to Connors and Sullivan's free seminars. On Tuesday, September 25th at Lenny's Clam Bar, 161-03 Cross Bay Boulevard, Howard Beach, Queens at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m., then in Maspeth, Queens on Wednesday, September 26th at Connolly's Corner, 71-17 Grand Avenue at 11 a.m., 3 p.m. and 7 p.m., and finally at the Adria. 221-17 Northern Boulevard, Bayside, Queens, on Friday, September 28th at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Can't go to any Connors & Sullivan's free seminars? Then call Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500 for your own free office appointment. Make an educated decision on your estate and family legal solutions today. Call Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500 or go to connorsandsullivan.com. Connors & Sullivan. Plan now for later. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC. 
Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.